Okay, so today we finished up our last couple of cases of intentional infliction of emotional distress. To do so, we talked about Harris v. Jones and briefly talked about Taylor. And I won't even try and say the other party name because I won't pronounce it right. Um, but what we're talking about here is the elements that it takes to establish an intentional infliction of emotional distress. In Harris, there are four elements that are outlined. The first is that the conduct must be intentional or reckless. That's something that was important. Another thing is the conduct must be extreme or outrageous. The third, there must be a causal connection between the wrongful conduct and the emotional distress. And fourth, fourth the emotional distress needs to be severe. And so what Harris goes on, and let's just discuss briefly the facts of the case of Harris. So Harris uh, and Jones, and so Jones is an employee of GM, and Harris is one of his supervisors. And uh, Jones has a pretty severe stutter. And, and he goes to his supervisor, well, and the supervisor is actually making fun of his stutter quite severely, and, he's, and Jones has a lot of nerves. It gets worse. His stutter uh, is not improving to say the least in fact it's getting worse he goes to uh, the supervisor the supervisors to ask for a transfer and is denied and then uh, he was dismissed several times from work uh, 10 to 12 times and one of those instances he actually followed the supervisor home from work uh, because of the aggression that he felt or the frustration that he felt because of this circumstance. And so there are a couple of takeaways that we have from this. Well, the court looks at these four elements. Uh, there is no doubt in the court's mind and that the conduct is intentional or reckless. It's pretty straightforward. That's not a question. Um, they briefly discuss whether it's outstream and extreme and outrageous, but they say, you know, that's really a question we don't want to talk about because we don't want to say as a matter of law that this was extreme or outrageous and take that away from the jury. We, we don't want to approach that. The court decides that. And as a result, they, they just focus on the one that is in question, and that's whether or not the distress that was felt by the plaintiff was severe. And here, even though it appears as if it could have been severe, the court said that it wasn't. And the reason why they wouldn't, said that it was severe enough is because they couldn't tell to an extent that the mocking or the mimicking of the stutter was actually causing the stutter to worsen because there could have been a variety of other factors that could have caused the stutter to worsen and including a home environment or uh, therapy things like that uh, medication maybe not taking the medication there were a variety of reasons but this goes into discuss what does it take for something to be considered severe? And there's a lot of factors that actually alters whether or not a thing is severe. There, there are several things. One of them is that there's a power difference between the parties. Uh, here in this case in Harris, uh, Johnson Harris, it, there was a power difference because one was the boss and the other was a worker. Uh, but the court didn't find that significant enough. Another thing is the vulnerability of the party, of the plaintiff. Um, the courts are much more lenient uh, 
uh, to give difference, difference, judgments in behalf of uh, children, uh, the elderly, and pregnant women. And that's because they tend to be more vulnerable with potential outcomes. Uh, the court also, not just here, but it is interesting to note that the court said that this was reckless. Um, the reason why this is an interesting to note is because in several cases in the past, an intentional tort doesn't involve recklessness. But here, the court says that, yes, it could involve recklessness. Let's go on and talk about Taylor v. Uh, Taylor. Um, what happened in this case is that a individual was beaten and his daughter is suing for damages uh, from seeing her dad being beaten and suing because of an intentional infliction of emotional distress. What happened here is that there was no allegations of intent, meaning the defendants in this instance did not know that the daughter was going to be viewing. And there was no allegation of the daughter that the defendant should have known that uh, she would have been viewing in this instance. And so there can be no liability because the first element is not met, meaning that there is no intent. There are several other cases, for example, where even if there is no intent, recklessness could be enough to actually bring in intentional damage of in, intentional infliction of emotional distress. There's this instance where a state trooper, there was a, a violent accident that happened. Maybe it wasn't an accident. I can't remember the details of the case. It was pretty gruesome. And the state trooper took pictures of the gruesome events and uh, sent them to a couple of individuals who eventually sent them to a couple of more individuals and which eventually made it back to the parents of the person who was involved in this gruesome event and they sued saying that there was intentional affliction of emotional distress well the officer probably didn't even know that it was going to get back to that family but it did and it did because he was reckless. He shouldn't have done it. And so the court found that his recklessness was enough to meet that element and they could find him liable for this tort. And that's really what we focus on. The big takeaways are is that there are aggravating factors. And those aggravating factors are power differences between parties, uh, recklessness, and the vulnerability of parties. And that includes the children, elderly, and pregnant women. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, 
we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.